water, earth, fire, air. Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed and my brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe Aang can save the world. Hello everyone and welcome back to What's Appa, a rewatch podcast of the greatest show ever, Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm Joyce. I'm Justin. And I'm Anand. And this week we want to give a special shout out to our friend Ben who read the intro. This is episode 20 of our podcast where we'll be kicking off season two with our discussion of the Avatar state. Woohoo! So let's just get right into it. All right. So in the first scene, uh, we set the stage with Aang's dream. And we know this because everything's kind of gray, everything's hazy, everything's kind of out of proportion. And Aang sees himself at the Southern Air Temple in the Avatar state in front of Mount Gyatso and sees Katara and Sokka looking on as he airbends super powerfully, like just like he did in the third episode of the season. And one thing I noticed when Aang was kind of jumping around all over the place in the Southern Air Temple was that the music reminded me of Zuko's theme music. Because there was a Sungi horn mm. going in the background. There were some Blue Spirit chimes also going on in the background. And I thought that was interesting. And also, it's kind of interesting because Aang sees himself as Zuko, I think, in one of his dreams later in the episode. So Yeah, it's like the two, the two of them are like morphing into one. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, um, another thing I noticed was that this dream, uh, like Anand said, refers to the events at the Southern Air Temple from book one, but actually the animation is of the Northern Air Temple. Um, and so that's a goof that uh, I read on Avatar Wiki, but I knew something was off because I did like the little illustrations for the air temples and they have different colored roofs and, and anyway, so oh, there's a little animation goof there. Very interesting. And so right after the Southern Air Temple, Aang jumps into the fire temple where he went into the avatar state next and then lastly he sees himself as koizilla from the season <laughs> one finale and what's cool is that he ang is kind of looking at this from the outside so he sees himself as this koizilla monster and i know justin brought up last episode about how ang basically murdered a ton of people and that was the worst thing he ever did so maybe he's finally um realizing that and accepting some of the guilt for what he did and seeing how crazy and terrifying he was. Yeah, maybe this is overanalyzing his psyche a little bit, but he is displaying a lot of empathy here, putting himself in the shoes of those dearly beloved that he's so willing to, <laughs> you know, cut their moral coil off the, 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 the plane of existence, you know. <laughs> well, he only attacked the non-water people. That so. is true. It's still his enemies because it was actually very interesting how like y like we were saying that the waterbenders like bowed to him and then he just like left them alone. Um, but anyway, it's still really bad. Still a lot of people dead. Um, and it's all on Aang's conscience. Anyways, the next scene is Aang waking up in a panic and he goes outside to the top of the ship and Katara follows him. 
Yeah, something I just want to call out here. Aang wakes up in a cot, and the cot is full of animal furs. And my first <gasps> thought is like, oh no, Aang, come on. <laughs> Scandal! Yeah. I think one of the precepts that monks are supposed to follow is that they don't sleep in comfortable beds. So wow. this is just <laughs> Aang is a bad, bad. bad Yeah, Aang monk. continues to be a bad monk far into this show. Um, yeah, and then uh, they talk and Aang says, you know, when she asks what's wrong, he says, I was in the avatar state, but I was outside my body watching myself. It was scary. I was scary. And yeah, he's just like so in shock and I guess um, scared of scared of himself. I mean, he knew he was always scared of like being the avatar, but now something really devastating has happened uh, because of him for reals. So, yeah. Yeah, to add some levity my first thought was like Katara, like, come on, powerful bender. Like, are you not connecting the dots here? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Katang. Now that, you know, officially Katang has won the, the battle of the ships, I guess. <laughs> um, check out our last episode, book one trivia. If you uh, want to hear the deets about that debate. Speaking of ships, uh, the next morning on the ship, <laughs> uh, Paku offers Katara an amulet that contains water from the spirit oasis, which we kind of see, I guess, in a Deus Ex Machina moment later on in the show. And then Paku offers Aang some waterbending scrolls to help him master waterbending. And then Paku gives, uh, like Sokka walks up expecting some sage advice from this waterbending master <laughs> or like some token of appreciation, but he just gets a pat on the shoulder. Um, <laughs> Poor so, guy. Yeah, we need to see some more some more Sokka love. <laughs> Finally, Paku tells them to fly to the Earth Kingdom to find General Fong, who will provide them safe escort to Umashu. So, in the Netflix subtitles, it's Fung with F U N G, but I'm fairly certain they pronounce it Fong, which I believe should be F O N G, right? Am I right? Mm-hmm. So this is kind of close to like Fong in Chinese, which means crazy. And like clearly he does a lot of crazy oh. stuff. So that might be Whoa, that's crazy. the etymology of the word. That's crazy. That's pretty cool. Anyways, so meanwhile, elsewhere in the Earth Kingdom that the Fire Nation has taken over, Uncle Iroh is absolutely enjoying himself getting a <laughs> massage in this such an idyllic place where there are a bunch of cherry blossoms and everything's so pretty. Yeah, I just thought, oh my God, I'm so jealous right now of him, like just totally living it up. Like I could really go for a massage. You know, it's been a, a stressful, it's been <laughs> stressful times. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, the other thing I really liked was that I feel like springtime and the season is like really at the forefront of this scene. Um, uh-huh. I mean, we ha- see the cherry blossoms falling. It's very warm. Um, you see that Zuko uh, at, well, Iroh is topless but Zuko is like wearing lighter clothing and later we actually see Sokka wearing a sleeveless outfit for the first time and so the the you know tween girls can go crazy over that um but it's just nice attention to detail and you know it's a new it's a new season and it you know for the show and literally in the show um and so I think that's pretty cool how they like started uh, set the scene here and Iroh walks up to Zuko who's sitting on the ground and he says I see as Zuko is sulking in the corner as usual. And he says, I see it's the anniversary, isn't it? And Zuko says, three years ago, I was banished. I lost all of it. I want it back. I want the avatar. I want my honor, my throne. I want my father to not think I'm worthless. Yeah. And I just saw all this Zuko, 
you know, destiny, angsty talk against the peaceful backdrop of, you know, the trees. It makes it feel even more like he's out of place and that his mindset is all wrong um, because of the environment that he's in. And he's just still so hyper focused on this uh, pipe dream. Yeah, that's a really interesting thought. My thought initially was like, I know we heard Zuko saying the same exact things at the beginning of the first season. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, is there actually any growth here for him from the first season to now? Hmm. What do you think? Maybe it's kind of just a reset for him. Like he was so hyper-focused. He kind of took a break, the rest that he needed. And he's kind of reset. But I guess things change very quickly and he goes on a different path than what he did first season. So, Yeah, maybe this theme of spring extends into regrowth and rebirth. And this is a mm-hmm. new start for Zuko. Yeah, um, I like that. Yeah, but something I thought about to add a moment of levity is like, I think he's being so dramatic here. Like <laughs> something falls over. He's like, my dad dropped me as a child once. <laughs> like, <laughs> Major daddy issues. Yeah. Like just enjoy the massage, Zuko. <laughs> Stop something in the corner. <laughs> So the next scene is Azula. We finally get to truly meet her and she's being brought out on this little chair ride thing with these dozens of soldiers on her ship and they bow down to her as she enters. And there's this cool Fire Nation theme, but wait, it's a little different. It's higher mm-hmm. pitched. Um, it's more, you know, it's yeah, it's just really it's higher. I think is the main thing I noticed. Yeah. I'm not an expert, but, um, you know, this is Azula's theme and it's just even more eerie because it's so it's so like high-pitched and like kind of speakier and it's like faster a little bit too and Uh there are also these chimes she has chimes of her own but they're also higher pitched just yeah Yeah. it's very eerie very devious Uh yeah um and then she comes in with her opening line and she says my brother and my uncle have disgraced the fire lord and brought shame on all of us you may have mixed feelings about attacking members of the royal family i understand but i assure you if you hesitate i will not hesitate to bring you down um and yeah immediately we just see so much confidence so much command of all these people and she looks also just much she looks younger than Zuko I mean we already know that but she looked you know she's just a kid and she has so much confidence and it's just like so striking um as we just saw Zuko being all like despondent and uh, nothing (laughs) yeah yep uh and just a note on the voice actor of Azula as this is the first time she speaks um her name is Gray Delisle and she, like she's definitely one of the best voice actors of the show like Azula's voice just brings the character to life so well um mm-hmm. and she's like a very accomplished uh voice actor of her own she did a million Nickelodeon shows including Vicky from Fairly Odd Parents Sam and oh Danny Phantom <laughs> yeah and um she also voices Ming Hua in Korra she has a very villainous voice, definitely. Um, yeah, and also, actually, I was watching this on YouTube the other day, but they actually recently had an Avatar cast reunion uh, video or stream, I guess, and somebody posted it on YouTube. It's like an hour and a half long. You didn't watch the whole thing, but they have Grey Delisle on there, and all the all the actors and actresses are so different because it's been over 10 years since they recorded this. Mm-hmm. For example, Zach Tyler... 
uh, Aizen, who played Aang, is just totally... Uh, voice is unrecognizable. He is a grown man. <laughs> he sounds nothing like Aang. But Grey Delisle, she sounds exactly like Azula. If I mean, not her normal voice, but she can go right into it. And it was really freaky when she was introducing herself and very scary, even when you're looking at the crazy. real person. It's pretty terrifying. Um <laughs> Anyways, then the captain of the ship says, Princess, I'm afraid the tides will not allow us to bring the ship into port before nightfall. And Azula says, and, and if I were to have you thrown overboard, would the tides think twice about smashing you against the rocky shore? And then the captain says, no, princess. And Azula says, well, then maybe you should worry less about the tides who have already made their mind up about killing you and worry more about me who's still mulling it over. Um, so that's an abridged version of the conversation. But basically, she is a crazy bitch. <laughs> um, and yeah, also uh, and very cruel, obviously. Um, and another thing is she's playing with her like hair wispies as she's saying this. And this is the beginning of my theory of Azula's hair and mm. or not like not really a theory, but I just definitely want to pay attention to her hair as we go throughout the rest of the show. I mean, because obviously the most iconic moment is when in the finale of the whole show. She cuts her hair and it's crazy looking and she's completely like, you know, off her whatever you know off Rocker. of rockers mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> um but right now i don't know it's very neat and she's just like playing around with it maybe that's when she's most confident you know we'll oh see. that's super interesting yeah good to look out <laughs> for that um yeah i just wanted to say real quick that i know we talked a lot in the first season about how good the creators were about introducing characters and how they characterize people so quickly and so well and they do that flawlessly again with azula you can mm -hmm. immediately know she's so calculating and commanding. So next, Team Avatar finally arrives at the Earth Kingdom garrison. General Fong and all soldiers welcome Team Avatar, and he says, Avatar Aang and all of you great heroes. Yeah, another comment on the voice actor. So General Fong's voice actor is Daniel Day Kim. You may know as one of the characters on Hawaii Five-0, but he also voices for all you Korra fans out there. Hiroshi Sato from the first season. So I don't know. Uh, I can see some similarities there. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Most suspiciously, they have fireworks going off in the day, which <laughs> you guys know that doesn't happen in real life. So we've got some black magic. Something's going on a here. little fishy. <laughs> yeah. So then we enter the war room, and pretty much immediately, General Fong is like, Avatar, you're ready to face the Fire Lord now. And Aang's like, what the heck? That I know I'm not. And Katara's like, Aang still has to master all four elements. And Fong says, with the power that he possesses, power enough to destroy hundreds of battleships in a matter of minutes, he could defeat the Fire Lord now. Yeah, and it's such a, it's a very good point. And, you know, that's why it's an interesting dilemma that you know, the team avatar ponders for the rest of the episode but uh, i just think it's so weird i feel like ang is much more powerful in the season one finale than he is when he's fighting ozai i don't know i guess there was not very much water at his disposal when he was fighting ozai maybe yeah. that's it but yes for some reason i just thought he definitely could also he true. did fuse with um oh you're Ocean right Spirit. okay okay so okay must that's be part right. of it but <laughs> yeah. um yeah. General Fong's like, yeah, we'd have a hard time getting to the Fire Nation. Then he says, but with you leading the way as the ultimate weapon, uh, they could get there real fast and, and take out the Fire Lord. And it's interesting that he calls, he refers to Aang as the ultimate weapon. 
And that just reminded me a lot about how the Fire Nation uh, generals treated their soldiers, like in the scene with Zuko and when Zuko speaks up in the Fire Nation war room and he gets punished for that. It's the same thing. Yeah, I think we see a lot of the world of Avatar exploiting people for their ability to bend, um, particularly thinking about when Inkora Mago gets that job and his literal entire job is to just to shoot lightning at the wall <laughs> to generate electricity. He's like... He's like the Pikachu's they put in the that Team Rocket puts in the basement. That's funny. Yeah, for sure. Um, and Aang responds, I don't know how to get in or out of the Avatar state, much less what to do when I'm there. And Fung continues, so it's decided then. I'll help you figure out how to get into the Avatar state and then you'll face your destiny. And Katara responds, no, nothing's decided. We already have a plan. Aang's pursuing his destiny his way. Yeah, and... There's a shot of all three of them, Sokka, Aang, and Katara. And Sokka and Aang looked very shocked and kind of speechless. But Katara is the one who has the resolve to disagree. Um, mm -hmm. And again, it's just we see a moment where Katara, when she is defending Aang, especially, but or, you know, just whenever she has uh, strong convictions, she's not afraid to uh, defend herself or, you know, Aang or anybody else she cares about. Yeah, I wonder how differently this would have gone if it was Kiyoshi or Korra would have been like headstrong like let's do it I'm game you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like yeah. put my dad in the ground I don't care we're taking down the fire lord <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's why Korra sucks just kidding <laughs> yeah she didn't do it the right way um anyways Fung tries to manipulate Aang a little bit more He's like, well, while you take your time learning the elements, the war goes on. I mean, and he is right. He shows them the infirmer, infirmary. Um, a lot of people are hurt. And, you know, he's like, these are the ones that made it out. You know, and then he says, every day the Fire Nation takes lives. People are dying. And you could end it now. Think about it. Yeah, which is pretty compelling. Uh-oh. Uh um, but yeah, then the next scene is back on Azula's ship. Azula is practicing lightning bending, and she's actually able to generate lightning, which is something we haven't seen as of yet, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, and then one of the twins, Lo or Lee, I don't know which one, I don't think it's important, we never really know, um, says, almost perfect. And then the other twin says, one hair out of place. And one fun fact is that Lo and Lee are the only pair of sisters in the show. Isn't that crazy? Whoa, that's weird. Yeah. Like in the entire show, um, there are pairs of brothers. I mean, clear, obviously there are some important ones, but I was even just like in the side characters, like there are no sisters. Um, and then Azula says, almost isn't good enough. And we, we see here her need for perfection. We also see her hair, you know, one hair out of place. Uh oh, it's just like, you know, her like when that's when her hair, it's like her hair is the needs to be perfect or else, you know, her striving for perfection will get in the way and kind of like shake her mental state. I don't really know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So moving on, Aang tells Sokka and Katara that he's agreed to help General Fong by helping himself i guess get into the avatar state and katara says no ang this is not the way and then sokka says why not remember when he took out the entire fire navy he was incredible some good points all around and then katara says there's a right way to do this practice study and discipline yeah i don't know i just thought this was a good lesson for the kids that hard work beats natural talent you know um so that's the way you should do things not just unleash your 
awesomeness um, because that won't always work and it's prone to error. I can appreciate Master Katara, but I feel like in a time of war, Aang should give it a try, you know? Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, and so Aang agrees to um, try it General Fong's way. And so they do a series of things to try to activate Aang's avatar state. And so the first one is with tea. So Aang tries taking this chi-inducing tea that gives supposedly ordinary warriors tenfold energy. I think this is supporting my hypothesis that tea and caffeine is a performance enhancing drug and therefore should be regulated by the FDA. But that is just me. It is a great performance enhancing drug that is not regulated <laughs> by the FDA. So enjoy it while you can, folks. Um, so anyway, Aang also drinks it and his eyebrows start twitching and he goes crazy and starts air scootering all over the place and just talks a ton with his high-pitched voice. And he keeps going until he crashes into one of the banisters, just like in the intro. Mm -hmm. I also read some places online that uh, that were saying, oh, chi-inducing tea, wink, wink. Like, this is some sort of drug joke for... <laughs> but that's kid-appropriate. Um, anyways, the next option, or the next thing they try to do to induce the Avatar state is shocking Aang into the Avatar state. So Sokka tries to scare Aang by putting Momo where his head is. And first, I just love this bromance. And actually, according to Avatar Extras, this combination of Sokka and Momo is actually called Momaka. So that's their official <laughs> ship name. I think in the next oh, debate, we ought to do a Momaka versus <laughs> our current champion, Katang, and see who wins. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I also like this because I imagine a conversation Sokka has with General Fong and General Fong's like humoring Sokka. He's like, so we trick the Avatar and Fong likes like, OK, OK. He's like, by putting Momo on my head. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this revered general of the Earth Kingdom army agrees. <laughs> <laughs> so desperate. <laughs> um, do you guys think this iteration of Momaka is the inspiration for crazy warrior Momo in Aang's nightmare in the Nightmare and Daydreams episode. Because Momo actually comes to life. Um, so maybe it did scar Aang for life. That's so funny. Just, just really deep down. <laughs> yeah, I can see it. I like that theory. Yeah, so all hope is lost. And then we go back to Iroh and Zuko. Um, and so <laughs> Iroh comes back. He dumps a bunch of seashells on the floor. And he's like, uh, look, Zuko, I found all these shells. Um, and Zuko says, we don't need them, uncle. Um, and then the camera shot widens. And Azula's there sitting down. And she says, hello, brother. Ah, that was a good, that was a good uh, impression. <laughs> oh, my God. Actually, even hearing you describe this scene was like, I feel like my heart started racing. But this was so scary um, just because Azula's terrifying. And also just like, how in the world did she track them down? So, yeah, fast. like, <laughs> it's just there's so much awe. Uh, you know, she's just for her. She's crazy. Um, what a master. Yeah. Uh, and Zuko's like, what are you doing here? And Azula says, in my country, we exchange a pleasant hello before asking questions. Have you become so uncivilized so soon, Zuzu? Oof. 
And we've seen Zuko play the savage peasant card on people, but I really like how Azula has just turned it on him, you know, right in their first yeah. interaction. Um, so perfect. And Zuzu, uh, just so like, he's just a speck <laughs> of dust to her or something. It's so It's so funny. Um, and then Iroh comes in, he says, to what do we owe this honor? Like so sarcastically. And so immediately we know that you know, Iroh doesn't like her. Uh-huh. And then you get the correct characterization of, of that going on. So some information there. And then Azula says, hmm, must be a family trait. Both of you so quick to get to the point. Yeah. And speaking of characterization, the whole time Iroh is kind of like smiling. His body language is super relaxed. He's kind of like not phased by Azula. But as Azula is saying this quote, she like crushes one of the shells in her hands and you see mm. Iroh's face just like scowls in the back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's so good. It's such a great characterization. Yeah, it's like he can't even keep it in even though he's like one of this respectable guy. Um, um, and then Azula explains that uh, their father changed his mind and wants Zuko back. Um, and Zuko takes a few seconds, doesn't respond. Um, and then Uncle Iroh's like, I'm sure he just needs a moment. And Azula's like, don't interrupt, uncle. And it was like the scariest thing, like came out of nowhere. Yeah. Just shows you like Azula's explosions of just like. Rage. Craziness and anger. Yeah, yeah. that can just come out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Azula asks for a thank you and says, I'm not a messenger. I didn't have to come all this way. Uh, and then there's a great shot that they do a lot of, but. Zuko turns his face towards the window and then they show the side of his face with the scar and Azula in the background. And then Zuko is like pondering whether he should go back home. But then you see the scar is like taking up more than half of the screen. Yeah. And it's just it's a very cool shot. Yeah, definitely. I like that one, too. Um, So then back to General Fong and Team Avatar. Katara is recalling is just kind of on this balcony and she's recalling the memory of Aang after he saw Monk Yatso's skeleton and says, you have to understand for the people who love you, watching you be in that much rage and pain is really scary. And this is her casual way of confessing she loves him. (laughs) Is this the first time? Is this the first time we hear this uh, feeling spoken, you know? into reality i think so i think so um although i i don't know if this is like meant to be like a romantic love it's more like a uh unconditional love you know no no justin or is it (laughs) (laughs) it's always romantic just kidding Uh, (laughs) uh, anyways then ang says i'm really glad you told me that Ooh. But he's not ready to return. (laughs) (laughs) And then he says, but I still need to do this every day. More and more people die. I'm already a hundred years late. Defeating the Fire Lord is the only way to stop this war. I have to try it. This is Aang's way of telling her he's too old. (laughs) (laughs) I'm projecting. I'm too old for you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no. So it's interesting, though. He comes back to this theme of I'm a hundred years too late. And this was something he confronted so much in the first season about his guilt, about not being there when the Fire Nation attacked his people and he wasn't there to protect everyone. So now it seems like is Aang kind of back to where he was in the first season. So maybe this is like the reset that Aang has to um, just like Zuko is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, but then Katara says she's not going to watch him do it and says she's not coming. Uh the next, you know, for tomorrow when they're going to try 
And I just thought, oh, like this is the first time I feel like Katara isn't supporting through him through all his decisions. She's just, which seems kind of unlike her. She's just deciding to sit it out. Um, I mean, eventually she does mm. go check on him. So, you know, she's still Katara on the inside, the Katara we know. But yeah, I thought this was kind of strange. So back to Zuko and Uncle. Uncle suspects something is not right. He says, I've never known my brother to forget anything. And Zuko, in his youthful naivete, says, he cares about me. And then Iroh, <laughs> in kind of like a guttural reaction, he's like, I care about you. Yeah. I mean, if Ozai wants you back, I think it may not be for the reasons you imagine. Yeah, and when Iroh bursts out, I care about you. I just, I, I don't know, my heart broke. I, he's jealous. He feels like his love isn't enough for Zuko, even though he's clearly given Zuko so much. And it's that's just really heartbreaking to see him crawl back to his father so fast mm -hmm. after all they've been through. Ah, <sighs> sad. Yeah. And he's trying to code to Zuko in as many words as possible without straight up saying, like, your father's a bad man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of dynamics going on. It's really cool. And then Zuko says, you don't know how my father feels about me. You don't know anything. Um, yeah. And here's another shot where the um, we see the side of Zuko's face with his scar and Ira in the background and it's focused in on his scar. And always when we see Zuko's scar as the focus of a, a shot or something, we see um, an emphasis on Zuko who is still hurt and still yearning for acceptance, the acceptance mm -hmm. from his father. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then Iroh retorts, Zuko, I only meant that in our family, things are not always as they seem. And I think, for, at least for me, this is the beginning of the complete shit show that is <laughs> the royal fire family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then Zuko calls Iroh a lot of really sad names, and he says that he's always been jealous of his brother. <gasps> Which so sad. Yeah. It's a pretty low blow, but... yeah. This is something like I could easily see like a teenager like rebelling yeah. against his parents. Yeah, so. exactly. So then we shift gears back to Aang and he's having another nightmare. Um, and everything's really gray and flowing and dreamlike. Um, and this one is about the first time in the series when he goes into the Avatar state um, when the, the Avatar Returns episode, which is the second episode on Zuko's ship. And this time Zuko's in the dream and Zuko's the one who's um watching ang and ang like kills him with the same koizilla move that like diagonal slash that he uses mm. um yeah and yeah just zuko and ang are merging into one yeah i think this is another great example of ang's empathy because you can go back to episode one and watch how they frame the shot and it's always from behind ang's back mm. so you're kind of like personifying ang's view point of view yeah but from here it's from zuko's back Mm -hmm. So it's really showing how terrifying Aang actually is. Yeah. So more of Aang's empathy mm -hmm. and kind of how that plays into General Fong's manipulation. Yeah. And then Aang wakes up and he says to Sokka that he doesn't think they should try to bring on the Avatar state because he's realizing how much destruction it caused and how powerless he is. And Sokka's just like, okay. Another thing that was funny in Avatar Extras they said Sokka is extremely agreeable at night. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just hilarious how Sokka's just like, okay. Whereas normally he would be, I don't know, he'd have some opinion about it. Um, 
Anyways, the next scene is Zuko preparing to leave and go back to the Fire Nation on Azula's ship. And Uncle Iris shows up and says, don't leave without me. Family sticks together, right? And then Zuko smiles. Aww. And it's very cute. And he's so happy his uncle's coming. And then it flashes back to a picture of Zuko when he was younger on Ember Island uh, with Iris standing next to him with his hand on Zuko's shoulder. And yeah, I just thought this was... a nice clue or just reveal that Iroh is the one in that photo and not Ozai where I don't know where else that I think that photo comes back in season three and it's kind of unclear who it is I think Zuko thinks it's his father in season three but in this episode in season two it's clear that it's Iroh so I thought that was cool because because I remember that being kind of unclear um and then this is the exact moment I feel like where we were clued in that it's Iroh and then Zuko says, we're finally going home. But Iroh is like, yay, like, like happy to Zuko. But then after Zuko walks away, he does this like double, <laughs> he, do- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, he does this double take at the ship and he scrunches his eyebrows and he's very suspicious. Iroh's expressions in the background are always the best. Yes. <laughs> his, uh, his monkey expression on yeah. the pirate yeah. ship will always be the best. Yeah, yeah. You always got to <laughs> be yep. paying attention. Yeah. Cool. So Aang is finally fed up with having mud thrown on him and he tells General Fong, I don't think we'll ever be able to trigger on purpose. So I guess that's it. I can only ever reach the Avatar state when I'm in genuine danger. And then Fong says, I see. I was afraid you'd say that. And then he orders all of his men to attack the Avatar. He's like, men, attack the Avatar. (laughs) And my first thought is like, wow, these guards were really loyal. A, they're attacking the Avatar. Like, as a political symbol, but like, B, they're attacking the Avatar who took out the Fire Nation. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. It's crazy that they're not running away. Yeah, seriously. And Aang says, I'm not your enemy. I won't fight you. Yeah, classic Aang. I mean, I feel like there's just a classic line. And then he starts avoiding everything. Um, But it's in a cool way, I feel like, this time. He's jumping through the centers of the coin-looking mounds of Earth. um, And it's just kind of fun. Uh, He's like a little circus animal. (laughs) (laughs) And for his signature move, he uses his air scooter Mm -hmm. to escape. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so he uses his air scooter and he even goes up the wall and does this like cool like flip thing on the wall. And it reminded me of the that's the same exact move that he uses in the drill episode when he runs up the wall and then comes down to push the nail into the drill. So mm, maybe he cool. got some journal Fong gave him some good training for the yeah. future. You know? Yeah. Yay, he did something good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then we flash back to Zuka and Iroh. And they're about to board Azula's ship. And again, Iroh eyes the soldiers suspiciously. And Azula tells the captain to set a course from home. And he says, you heard the princess. Raise the anchors. We're taking the prisoners home. Apparently, um, in this scene, the creators originally planned on Azula vaporizing the man (laughs) on the spot, uh, according to the Avatar extras. But they literally later decided that was a little too harsh for their viewership. So they did not. Yeah, that's what I thought was going to happen. Right after he said that, I was like, oh, my God, I couldn't remember exactly what happened. But I was like, this guy is dead. (laughs) He's definitely dead. Um, And then a giant fight ensues. Iris starts beating up all the soldiers and then Zuko chases after Azula and he yells, you lied to me. And Azula says, like, I've never done that before. And then they all fight. Yeah. And, you know, there's she doesn't even have any remorse for lying. So that's one thing that 
we see here and you know she's very manipulative also she signals the soldiers to fight with Zuko she just it's so beneath her to fight with Zuko and later when he does get to her she's just she's barely even trying um and yeah yes that's a common thing we see with her um and then the next scene is back to Aang and General Fong but Sokka and Katara are coming to join in on the fight and General Fong traps Katara in the ground eventually as a way to get to Aang and Aang tells him, you have to let her go. And then Fong says, you could save her if you were in the Avatar state. Um, and he, this guy's just the worst. He's exploiting this 12-year-old child and he's just, I don't know, he's in the moment of it all, but also he, like, I don't know, that is just like so, so low. Um, and then Aang's like, I'm trying. And his eyes are starting to tear up and you just yeah, you hate General really Fong more and more and more. Anyways, yeah, he keeps lowering Katara into the ground and Aang yells, you don't have to do this. And that was some really desperate sounding, uh, heartbreaking voice acting. Like good for, good for Zach Tyler Eisen, but it was very, very sad. And then he's, and then Fong's like, apparently I do. And then Katara disappears into the ground and Aang goes into the after state because he's about to unleash his wrath onto General Fong, who deserves it. But in typical Nickelodeon fashion, it cuts away from the climax of the action. <laughs> <laughs> and Zuko charges at Azula with fire daggers in his hands and she blocks them without even using firebending. Um, and Azula says, you know, father blames uncle for the loss of the North Pole, and he considers you a miserable failure for not finding the Avatar. Why would he want you back home except to lock you up where you can no longer embarrass him? And then you can see like like a smile creep up like the corner of one of her lips. <laughs> so evil. Yeah, yeah, you just realize how good a manipulator she is, like poking Zuko in the exact spots where he needs to be poked to just go out of control. Yeah, and the choreography of the fight is like pretty cool and it continues. And then Azula scratches Zuko with her nails. So it's kind of like you can be an evil conniving princess and have your ABG nails as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I think I think um something I read online about her nails too is that it's a classic, it's kind of a trope for evil women. Uh, you know, the long witch-like nails and Azula has them here. So there's another, <laughs> if you needed another clue to know that she was evil, she also has the long nails, you know, haha, <laughs> so typical. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was, after scratching Zuko, he has these this um, blood on his face. I don't know, I'm very scared of blood. So I was like, but there's also I was like, is this the first time there's been blood on the show? But actually, I'm just remembering now um, Zuko's injuries after the pirates blew up his ship. It was uh, pretty graphic mm -hmm. there as well. So if you need a if you're going to rewatch that episode again, just be warned. Um, <laughs> also, uh, a goof. Coming from Joyce who can't watch horror movies. No. <laughs> uh, that's why we need warnings for other people out there like me. Um Anyways, there's a goof with these scratch marks because they go away in the next shot we see Azuko finding Azula. So, I don't know. She's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> so finally the fighting comes to an end and then every all of a sudden everything gets really quiet and you just hear this like crackling and Azula starts to like move her hands in this circular motion mm. and it's the first time we see her shoot lightning at Zuko. Yeah. But Iroh comes in at the last moment and re redirects it and kicks Azula into the water. <laughs> Pretty violently, by the way. She doesn't fall straight into the water. She kind of like 
takes a beating on the way down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So again, Ira's a badass. And also, this is the second and last time Ira does lightning redirection. Um, it's really cool that the first time we see it was in the second episode of the entire show. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I wonder how many things they planned from start to finish of the show. And it's so cool that lightning just happened to be one of the things that they really honed in on immediately. Yeah. Um, also, a fun fact is that you know, we see Azula's blue fire here for the first time. And Azul means blue in Spanish. Mm. And her name is Azula. So wow, I, I never noticed I know. That. I never noticed that either. <laughs> I don't know if that was the intention, but it's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. <laughs> and so with that fighting over, we flash back to General Fong and Aang in the Avatar state. Um, and so Aang is generating all this power, about to smush General Fong, and <laughs> he tries to tell him, oh, Katara's safe, and brings her out of the ground. Um, and then Aang's about to unleash some crazy stuff. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, Aang's spirit <laughs> leaves his body, and Roku appears <laughs> with Fang the dragon to take him away. And like, what the heck? Roku <laughs> Where did this come from? <laughs> Roku X Machina once again. Roku's back, our favorite character. Um... Also, like, okay, so Roku says the Avatar state is a defense mechanism designed to empower you with the skills and knowledge of all the past avatars. The glow is the combination of all your past lives focusing their energy through your body, uh, which is a cool concept. Yeah. 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 My thought was like, (laughs) aren't you a little late here, Roku? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. You could have told them at any moment up until now. Classic Roku. I know. Roku showed up so many times. Why didn't they just have like a crash yeah. course on the Avatar, yeah. on being the Avatar, you know? You could have whipped out the blackboard and just, you know, like they're cramming for an exam or something. Also, like, is this the best time to tell him that? Aang is literally in the <laughs> Avatar state. You took him out of his body and there are a bunch of Earthbenders about to attack him. Like, I don't know if this is the best time for you to be uh. telling him this. I don't know. I feel like I wasn't really on board with the whole uh, kind of dragging on Roku thing before you on. And I think it's pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Roku sucks. (laughs) Um, Anyways. Yeah. So while he's explaining all this avatar knowledge or facts, um, we see a montage of all the previous avatars playing. We get to see Avatar Kuruk for the first time, Avatar Yang Chen for the first time, and... Avatar Seto, who is the firebender before Roku, and he makes four volcanoes erupt at once, which is insane. So Um, much more powerful than Roku. Yeah, cooler than Roku. (laughs) Unfortunately, we just ended up at least four times cooler than Roku. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and then so Roku continues. Uh, in the Avatar state, you are at your most powerful, but you're also at your most vulnerable. If you are killed in the Avatar state, the reincarnation cycle will be broken and the Avatar will cease to exist. Yeah, so this is obviously going to be the main problem that we see manifest in the season finale. And I just thought that statement shows how well planned this season is, I think, in comparison to last season. Um, it just has like a smoother arc, I think. Um yeah, so then with that interlude over, Aang returns to his body and sees all the destructions that he's caused. And then, yeah, just a fun fact is that this is his first time earthbending, even though he's in the Avatar state. Um, but it's pretty cool still. Pretty That's pretty cool. Um, and then he snaps out of the Avatar state and 
Uh, he comes down to a Katara and apologizes. And, I, and he says, I hope you never have to see me like that again. Fung is there and he's all crazy now. And he's like, yes, we succeeded. Now we just need to figure <laughs> out a way how to control him. And Sokka, in a pretty nice moment, comes up on the ostrich horse thing and just knocks him out with the boomerang. And everyone's pretty chill with it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then the loyalty of the soldiers because completely 180s. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thanks, thanks soldiers. Um, and yeah, everything's happy, and they all fly home. Yeah, yes. That's another good thing that came out of this episode is we liberated all of General Fong's soldiers <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> from his craziness. Yeah. Um, they're even like, "Do you still need an escort?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're like, "Nah, we're over this place." Um, <laughs> Yeah, and then so the last scene, wow, one of the greatest scenes in the season, I think, is that Azula is putting up wanted posters for Zook and Iroh. Uh, meanwhile, they are sprinting away very in like a very funny, I feel like comedic fashion. They're just like uh, holding yeah. onto their clothes and Iroh's all fat and he's like running really fast <laughs> and like, I don't know. But then, it, you know, the tone of the scene shifts very quickly and Zuko takes out uh, his knife and cuts off his ponytail and we hear the blue spirit theme here which is indicative of Zuko's alter egos I guess you know just the other side of his personality mm -hmm. yeah this story is very similar to the story of like Sajratha Gautama after he meets the four kind of bad things about the world you know someone dying um, someone sick etc and he goes to the river with his aide Chana and cuts off his hair. And in Buddhism, like hair is supposed to represent like your worldly attachments, um, your attachments to desire and everything like that. And it's supposed to be this like inflection point of like growth. And it's kind of like similar for Zuko. Like he learns here, like his father doesn't really love him. Uh, his sister was just sent there to capture him. And this is a moment of him cutting off his desire and connection to, you know, his family in a way. In a way that we can visualize. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, well said. And then Iroh cuts off his bun. Uh, and I'm like, um, why? <laughs> I'm like, this is... So Zuko cutting off his ponytail. Clearly very significant. Iroh cutting off his bun. First, he looks the same. Also, so it's <laughs> yeah. like... It's just like in solidarity, I guess. Yeah. Um. Anyways. Uh, just to add a little levity to the situation. <laughs> but um, yeah, an amazing way to head into the rest of the season. Just wow. Uh, great. Can you imagine Zuko passes him the knife and I was like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyways, that is the end of this episode, The Avatar State. Let's move on to our ratings. All right. I will give this episode an eight. I think it was a really great episode and it surpassed my expectations. I don't remember this being a particularly amazing episode. I don't know how many times I've seen it. I don't think I've seen it more than once or twice. Um, but I think the continuity is really great. It addresses things from the season finale with Aang's um, Avatar State. And then it sets up the season so well. Um, I think there are a lot of funny moments in here. All of the characters, like all of our favorite characters are involved with the gang and Iroh and Zuko, we get a fantastic introduction of Azula. And I think there are like some funny moments. There's fighting action. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good things. Um, I just think there are a few episodes that are a little better. 
Yeah, I think I give it a seven, maybe even a six, but I think a seven because I really like the B plot. I really like the plot where Zuko kind of has this moment of reckoning. His conversations with Iroh are super interesting and dynamic. The introduction of Azula is really cool, but I just, I can't, I don't know. I don't like General Fong. I think the whole thing is a little contrived. It's a little boring. Um, there's not much action going on. We don't terribly learn anything too much about Aang or the rest of the gang. You know, it's kind of like tired retreading of this part of their relationship that we've explored, which is like Katara's like more conservative, wants to do things the right way, and Aang and Sokka are more willing to try things and experiment. Um, so yeah, I think that part of the episode I didn't like too much, but like the other parts really brought it back. Mm, yeah, good point. Um, I was actually initially between an eight or a nine, but actually Justin hearing your explanation, I definitely agree. So I'm going to dial it down to an eight. Um, basically agree with everything both of you guys said. I think I definitely, the reason I enjoyed the episode is a lot more because of the Zuko, Iro Azula parts of the episode. Um, and yeah, it's also, I'm surprised. I definitely liked it more than I expected. Uh, for some reason, this episode wasn't that memorable before, which I guess is because, you know, the A plot is less uh, interesting. But anyways, I really like how it sets up for the rest of the season. I like how the spirit water comes back. You know, it's a very short scene in the beginning, but that proves to be critical, um, as well as the Avatar state, uh, you know, Achilles heel. Um, yeah, anyways, it's just cool. And, you know, looking forward to the rest of the season after this one. So, yeah. That concludes this episode of the podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed our discussion of The Avatar State. As always, we release on WhatsApp on Wednesday, so we'll see you next time for our discussion of The Cave of Two Lovers. If you want to stay up to date with when we release or submit thoughts or questions on the episodes, be sure to follow us on Instagram at at what's underscore appa, like our Facebook page, or you can email us at whatsappapod at gmail.com. Also, subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the episode, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Flamio, Hopman. Hopman.